0: I think about relationships and one that I'm particularly proud of, I actually think about the relationship that I have with myself. I know maybe that sounds a little bit silly with thinking about relationships like with other people, but truly I think I'm most proud of the relationship that I have with myself and that the work that I've done to be comfortable with myself, to connect with myself, to get to know myself, because That can be a really tough relationship to navigate, and it's not always easy to build that relationship with yourself. And honestly, a lot of the work that I did to connect with myself was through therapy. I feel like it just really gave me a vehicle to kind of turn inward, explore what was happening within, and to help build and foster this relationship that I now have with Myself, and it was just really beneficial. And, like, therapy is such a great place where you can work through challenges in your relationships, whether it's with yourself, with your friends, you know, significant other, really anyone. Um, having that objective perspective is so helpful when you're trying to navigate relationships. So if you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com slash minutes today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash minutes. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Mindful in Minutes podcast. I'm Kelly. And today we're going to be diving into something that I personally have been exploring a lot, kind of dabbling in um, just having a really good time learning about this probably for the last maybe year, year and a half. I've been looking into it, um, we're going to be diving into all things body, connecting with the physical body through the practice of somatic meditation. And basically... We're going to be looking at like how can we use these more physical practices as a vehicle for our well-being and what does it mean to focus on the physical body for meditation instead of having your meditation be mostly in your head, right? We think about meditation as being a mental thing and in essence it is, but what is it like when you let your point of concentration be your physical body, And like I said, I kind of started deep diving into this idea of like somatic work, um, embodiment, mind-body connection, being connected to your physical body maybe a year and a half ago. I was really looking into it when I was working on writing You Are Not Your Thoughts. So I guess that would have been about a year or so ago. And um, the reason that I was really diving into it was that I knew when i was creating that journal program all of that that book that i wanted the beginning like the first step if you will outside of acknowledging your anxiety was to work with the physical body because you really can't get any deeper on stuff especially anxiety because anxiety and fear is a physical response right we feel it in our bodies we get sweaty tight chest, nervousness, breathlessness, like it's such a visceral physical thing that I knew that I needed to begin with the body. And then as you work through the eight weeks, you kind of get a little bit deeper and deeper and deeper. But if you can't calm down the body and address like the nervous system activation that's happening at that time, it's really hard to go any deeper and so I really look was looking into embodiment practices somatic practices I was working you know for myself doing a lot of kind of somatic meditation and I've really just been enjoying it Um, and I've been doing more of it now as well like after you know giving birth reconnecting to my body things like that Um, I've just I've really been enjoying it and so I wanted to share somatic meditation with all of you. Um, One little note before we dive in, I will be talking about the concept of trauma in this episode and how it can be stored or not stored in our body or how we can have like muscle memory for things. If all I'm going to talk about is more kind of what I would call like not capital letter T trauma, so like nothing particularly like specific or big or um, scary or like that could potentially like re-traumatize of course i can't you know I, i i i don't know um you know what you've experienced in your life but i will say that when i do talk about trauma i'm talking more about the general idea i call it like little t trauma right so like um for example like if you sprain your ankle um that is a trauma to those ligaments to potentially the bone in your ankle, like little t trauma. I'm not going to talk a lot about like capital T trauma, like, um, you know, the big emotional stuff. And I'll be talking more broadly about just the general idea of these things. I I tried to find a synonym for trauma to basically – I wanted to find a word. And maybe as I'm describing it, you guys will be like yelling at me as to what that word is. But something where you have some kind of a big event – that has a lasting experience on you. And I had a hard time kind of encapsulating that concept without using the word trauma. And, um, but I'm gonna try my best. But I wanted to just, if that is something, even just hearing that word bothers you, just skip this one. Skip this one. Come back when you feel ready. But I will not be diving into any, really any like capital T, you know, trauma stuff. So, but I just wanted to say that off the top. um, That since we will be talking about body Um, You know, how our bodies respond to these events, these experiences, um, these, you know, traumas, whether they're large scale or small scale, um, that that's going to be in this episode, too. So just, of course, always take care of yourself. I personally appreciate sometimes when when I listen to podcasts and if someone's like, hey, we're just going to, you know, even if it's not necessarily like a trigger warning, because, again, I won't be talking specifically about anything like that but if someone's just like you know we're going to be talking about generally this and if you know that that isn't a thing that you should listen to right now or that doesn't feel like it's something that would be of benefit to you right now please skip it I always appreciate that so know that if you're like "Eh, I don't know uh just skip it I'll see you later I'll see you I'll I'll see you next time um but yeah that's it that's my little my little thing so let's dive in. Let's talk about somatic meditation. What is it? How do we do it? Why do we do it? Um, Different practices that you can do, the benefits, all of that. So somatic meditation itself is a type of meditation that really emphasizes cultivating awareness of the body and its sensations. And it's really meant to be used as a means of deepening mindfulness and kind of promoting overall well-being, healing, healing, the mind-body connection. So unlike different forms of meditation that primarily focus on mental processes such as, you know, your thoughts or, um, you know, I mean, meditation is mostly a mental thing. I don't think, you know, that's it. That's all I have to say about that. Meditation is usually it's something that has to do with our mind, single-pointed concentration. Somatic meditation is it places a particular specific emphasis on physical sensations and experiences within the body. So somatics, the general concept of it, studies the body from within, really emphasizing a subjective experience of the body sensations and movement, um, and it's like felt sense in the world. So again, that idea of like subjective, um, I like to think about it as just being fully aware of what you are experiencing in your physical body but without getting wrapped up in the narrative or um, applying judgment to that. Like just paying attention to the body, being really present in the physical. And there's different types of somatic work. Um, I am not, you know, like a somatic Practitioner, I think. Like, you can have physical workouts that are like somatic workouts. There are somatic therapists. Um, I have just really been exploring somatic meditation specifically. Um, and again, I started dabbling in this when I was writing You Are Not Your Thoughts. And it is, and the second week, of the eight-week journal is body. The first week is really just kind of acknowledging getting a clear picture of your anxiety because I think it's really hard to work on something if you don't have clarity as to like what's going on here, then it's like how can you really dissect it and get clear and all that. So the real first like step, I guess, or um, week where you start making some progress on your anxiety outside of getting a clear picture of it is the body week. And the reason that I started with that is because anxiety and so much of what we experience, we experience physically. We have physical reactions to things, to anxiety, to fear, to depression. I feel depression really physically, like so tired, achiness, um, even like joy. I mean, our, our existence in life, the human experience can be a very physical experience. But on the flip side, we also can easily get extremely disconnected from our physical bodies and just live like in our heads and kind of shut down the body. So that's why I put kind of the body weak and you are not your thoughts before mind or emotions. It's because I think you have to really address the actual physical like nervous system reaction to things like anxiety first before you can dig deeper. And if you think about being in a physical state of fear or protective mode, you're never going to be able to do any deeper work if you're just in like protection survival mode. So when I was looking into this, like I had tools in my toolbox from the yoga world, also from the meditation world, but I wanted to look into some more somatic techniques as well and some physical body kind of embodiment practices in meditation on how can we get some of that fear and pain et cetera, like out of the tissues in the body um, so that we can go deeper and this also plays off of the idea of the koshas which you've heard me talk about in yoga nidra which is sort of the yoga version of like the different parts of us so kosha means layer or sheath and it's like these different layers that we have there's five of them when you practice yoga nidra you journey through the koshas And one note on Yoga Nidra, because I got an email about this just like yesterday, I am going to be revamping and redoing the Yoga Nidra 101. I originally did that, I think, in 2020, early 2020. So it's been almost four years. And I know more. I feel like I can do a better episode. And so I'm going to be revamping that one. And a new Yoga Nidra 101 will be coming up. So someone emailed me. I recently took it down because I just felt like I have more to add. Um, and they're like, where to go? And uh, it's coming back. So that's that. But in Yoga Nidra, we talk about the koshas. And the first layer is the physical body. So that plays off of this idea of like you're never going to get deeper to like your energetics or your wisdom or your mind or anything if we can't first work with the physical body and get that really calmed down. We have to tap into the physical first. And you may be somewhat familiar with the idea of somatics or this idea that things can be stored in our body. If you've read the book or heard of the book, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van Kok, I believe is how you pronounce it. And this is a book that really explores the complex sort of interplay between like trauma and the brain and the body and how trauma can be stored in the body. It's an interesting read. Um, there's also a lot of discourse out there as to whether or not you can actually have these types of things stored in your body. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Um, but I would say it's a, it's an interesting read. I know a lot of yoga teacher trainings actually require this as uh, required reading. I do not in my trainings, but I do know a lot of them do. And I think it's an interesting read. It made me think and look at things a little bit differently. Um, But it also plays with the idea that you can work on things from the bottom up instead of the top down. And what I mean by that is when you start from the bottom up in terms of working on things, like let's say anxiety, for example – bottom up is like you start with your feet on the ground. You start with your body and then you work your way up to like your mind and your thoughts instead of like maybe traditional therapy might start with top to bottom where you start with the mind and the thoughts and then you eventually work your way down to like your body. I don't think one is better than the other. I think they are two different approaches. Um, Very much like I think your true self, your internal guide is kind of your personal like GPS I think try different things and see what works for you. But if you've been doing a lot of top-to-bottom work, why not try bottom-up? Bottom-up? Bottom-to-top. That's what I meant. (laughs) And see what is it like if you look at the physical body first. So what does the research say about things such as, like, you know, trauma, fear, pain all of that being stored in your body it says yes and no and when I looked up the research there isn't a ton but I was actually listening to a different podcast the other day it had nothing to do with like anything well it was like I think like a pop culture podcast and um, and for some reason they said something like I don't know maybe there's something that we haven't discovered yet in the body like we've only known what DNA was for a couple of decades so why you know maybe there's something else that we haven't discovered yet and when they said that that really stuck with me and it was in the back of my mind as I was writing these notes um, and so this research is you know based on what we know but this is something too that I feel like I'm very open to the idea of like maybe we just haven't figured out how to measure this stuff or how to see um, if we are storing potentially fear or pain or past experiences, things like that, like in the tissues of our body. Um, yeah, I don't know. I thought that was interesting. That popped up just in my everyday life. I was listening to something like in the car while I was running errands. And I was like, you know what? That's so true. Like we didn't even know like 50 years ago. We're like, what? we didn't even know DNA exists. And there's still things that we're unlocking every single day and discovering. And so maybe, you know, one day I'll be able to do a somatic meditation like 2.0 with all of this new research. Um, that has yet to be discovered. But when you look at what's available now for research, it says kind of yes, but not really, or yes, but not the way that you think. And basically it's because you can't just like x-ray your hips, for example, or get an MRI and be like, oh my gosh, look, like your tension, stress, emotional load is 30% greater than it was last month. Like it's, it's building up it's not like if i was going to build muscle mass and like my biceps that i could just look and be like wow my you know my my emotional tension stress load in my muscles is so much greater than it was or look it's decreasing like there isn't really a way to measure um, fear tension emotional load trauma in the body so it's very hard to look at it and to study it however Although trauma itself may not be seen in the like physical body it may not be or we there's no way of us where we can look and say, hey um, this is being physically held in the muscles or the bones on the flip side though we do know that, our bodies will protect ourselves from perceived threats or be in a protective state from past trauma or pain, um, emotional experiences, et cetera. And that is stored in our memory and our emotion centers of the brain, such as our friends, the hippocampus and the amygdala, which you've heard me talk a lot about, because those are two key areas um, that basically we can work on calming and soothing with meditation. I always think it's so cool when I dive into like a kind of a different topic. It always comes back to like the hippocampus and the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, like every time. But we do have this kind of trauma or pain, emotional memory stored in our minds. And our bodies will then act accordingly. So whenever we get triggered by something that activates the body, right, if there's any kind of a, um, you know, something that stimulates that part of the brain or reminds us of some kind of a traumatic event or um, something that, you know, hurt our bodies before, something like that, like our bodies will respond to that, quote, stored information. And that's where, you know, we can't look and say, oh, look, you have so much um, emotional trauma stored in your hips, for example. That's something that I heard so much. And like all of my yoga teacher trainings, people have said emotions are stored in your hips and people keep saying it. And I'm going to circle back to that in a little bit, but like no one can give me like data on it other than like anecdotal evidence. Um, but we do know that, you know, our minds do store these things and our bodies will react accordingly based on what, you know, the memories we have, the, you know, our amygdala saying, ooh, protection, fight or flight, you know, danger. So it's kind of like yes and no. So, it is stored in a way but not like where again you can look at your hips and say wow like look at all of this like built up trauma we can't we can't really look at it that way and again my little side note when i say like trauma i mean it in like the broad sense of trauma like that obviously there's a very wide spectrum um as to what that can mean and that could be something where again like a physical accident i had um, a client that I worked with, a yoga client that I worked with, who had a, a slip and fall on icy pavement and broke her ankle. And for a long time, even though the ankle had technically healed, she did still have a lot of residual and um, was not only obviously very wary and icy conditions, but it was like her her ankle, to, even if it was, quote, physically healed, it still like took a while to really kind of like bounce back from, like, the physical trauma in a way of having, like, the break and the inflammation and all of that. Um, But, of course, there's such a a wide range of, like, what trauma is. And so I don't want anyone to think that I'm underplaying or downplaying the concept of trauma itself. Um, I'm just talking about, again, that little T trauma, as my therapist would say, versus, like, capital T trauma. Uh, Little T trauma, like, things that are stressful, distressing for your body, your mind, and your heart. And, um, you know, that's very different, Um, you know, slipping on the ice and breaking your ankle and your body recovering from that physical trauma, totally different than, you know, going to the big capital letter T traumas. Um, I think about this, too. In terms of, like, childbirth, like, it's my belief that all childbirth is a physical trauma to the body because of the intensity, the big changes that are happening in your body, but that doesn't mean that you had a, quote, traumatic birth. Do you know what I mean? Like, something can be a physical trauma, but that doesn't mean that it's, like, going to traumatize you or be, like, a capital letter T. Trauma right? Like having a part of your body go from something that's the size of a nickel to the size of a bagel in anywhere from days to hours, Um, growing a new organ, ejecting that organ when it's done, like all of that, that is, you know, physical trauma for the body. It's a big physical, medical uh, thing, event to give birth. But now having done it twice, I would say that of my two, only why I would say I would kind of call Porkchop's birth as being like more of like a traumatic birth versus Poppy's birth. I would not consider to be like traumatic, but they were both like physical traumas for my body um, because of just the big medical event and the changes that that happen. Um, but yeah, but really, I mean, I mean, trauma can be anything that you experience that has lasting effects physically, mentally, emotionally, you know, et cetera. And also, I just want to make a note here um, in case no one has told you this. I want to tell you, please know that no one can define your trauma except for you. So whatever you are experiencing, whatever you felt, um, you get to define what that is and you get to decide what kind of an impact short-term long-term whatever that that's had on you so don't let anyone else tell you different no one can define that um, except for you and whatever you've experienced and felt and all that is completely valid so if no one's told you that let me tell you that um don't let people uh try to invalidate your feelings or anything like that you get to decide um how you feel about that and what kind of effects things have on you that's that's for you to define and decide for yourself but circling back moving on from that um is there, you know, trauma and pain, fear, all of that technically stored in our tissues? Not that we know of. However, we do have muscle memory. We do physically respond. Like our bodies are designed to survive. They're designed to protect, to survive. And pain is important, right? That is the reason that, you know, we are alive. There's an important survival mechanism in pain. Pain is the body's way of saying danger, red alert, problem. We've got a problem here. If we didn't experience pain, we'd just be walking around like bumping into sharp objects or like with broken bones all over and like we wouldn't survive. So pain is necessary and it is a way our body, it's basically how our body helps us to survive. And we have protective mechanisms in place for this right our bodies can respond before our minds can even really process what's happening it's like when you touch a hot burner right and your your hand is already or you touch something hot and your hands already flown off of it before you've registered like ouch that was hot or if you see something out of the corner of your eye and you kind of like flinch right you um you know get tense and you are going right into that you know body protection mode because something's coming at you even before you've registered like oh it's just Not a big deal or, oh, it missed me or whatever. Um, These are all protective mechanisms. And, like, our bodies can respond immediately to the brain sending that signal of, like, oh, danger. But then our minds then actually take a little bit longer to kind of, like, catch up and and process right outside of that, like, immediate protective response. And these things are important. We need these protective uh, mechanisms to survive the problem is, is that we know that our body's response comes from the brain. And that part of the brain that it comes from is the same that activates, you know, the fight, flight, or freeze response. And this part of the brain can become overactive. It can become hypervigilant. You've heard me talk about the amygdala so much here. And what happens when it becomes hypervigilant or overactive is we're living in that constant fight or flight or potentially freeze response. We can also have increased levels of stress hormone in your body like cortisol, right? We can have this kind of constant like on edge feeling. We can be anxious. We can be tense. And our brain could be telling us, don't relax. Be prepared for anything at any time. Danger could be around any corner. Um, even if we logically know that we are safe in our, in our bodies, our mind can tell us otherwise. And our bodies will respond, right? Because the, there's that mind-body Connection. So again, it's kind of this idea of like storing the information, even if it isn't necessarily like in your tissues or we can't look at where it's stored in the tissues. But I want to share my own personal thought on this that is not rooted in evidence at all. If there are two things that are for certain in my life right now, it is that one, I'm really trying to prioritize the food that I put in my body because I know what I feed myself. I end up feeding baby Poppy. And two, I do not have a lot of time. And even if I have aspirations of having these great balanced perfect for us. So head to factormeals.com slash in minutes 50 to use code in minutes 50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code in minutes 50 at factormeals.com slash in minutes 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. This episode is brought to you by Cozy Earth and I am thrilled to tell you about them cuz I've loved Cozy Earth since before they even sponsored this podcast. Now Cozy Earth creates these luxurious bedding products. We are talking about like the softest bed sheets you have ever felt in your life. I am speaking from experience. Also these amazing like sleepwear products, loungewear, like anything that you need to create this amazing soft cozy sleep sanctuary in your this wonderful cozy Earth gift. and let's be honest, mom deserves it. So head over to cozyearth.com and use promo code mindful for an exclusive 35% off. Soft as a mother's touch, Cozy Earth wishes you a happy Mother's Day. So my personal thought on our emotions and trauma stored in our physical body. So, again, in the yoga world, you will hear a lot about how trauma is stored, specifically in the hips. This is the one that I keep hearing about, hips, 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 hips. Also, the psoas is a big place where emotions are supposed to be held, these big. And then um, I've experienced, too, like a lot of uh, like heart center chest stuff, like protecting your chest, like rounding your shoulders, protecting, guarding your heart physically. Um You hear a lot about this kind of in the yoga world, which is, you know, my that's where I started was in the yoga world. And although no one can really tell me like why per se, I've always felt this to be really true because I do see this a lot, not only in like my students and clients where someone's in a hip opener and then they cry or they laugh or someone is going through an emotional thing and they have this like rounding of the shoulders where it's almost like they're trying to protect their heart from physical pain or physical danger, even if the heart pain that they're feeling is emotional. I did do a little bit of, um, I don't know what you want to call this research. I don't know. Um, Fun fact about me. um, I have big, chunky babies, and I am now in pelvic floor PT about this. Um, Am I talking about my pelvic floor now for, you know, the world to listen to? Yeah, I am. Because PSA announcement, anyone, I'm not even just going to say ladies. Anyone, because we all have pelvic floors, It, if you feel like, ah, I probably need that or I need to do that, do it. It will help. I can't say it's pleasant. I can't say I'm like, wow, this is fun. I enjoy this. Um, it will help. Whether you've given birth or not, uh, it, it really does make a difference in like just so many different things. But anyways, courtesy of my two big old chunky babies, um, this pelvic floor is not what it used to be. I am now uh, in pelvic floor. PT. So I did a little research for us. However, um, as my good old pelvic floor PT, shout out to Bethany, who actually we, uh, she listens to the podcast sometimes. So I don't know, Bethany, maybe when I see on Friday, um, he'll be like, Oh, Kelly, I heard you talking about me. Um, I asked her about this because she, all she does is pelvic floor. That's it. That's like her, like <laughs> that's her bread and butter pelvic floor. And I just asked her as you know, she's like poking around or whatever. I'm like, Bethany, tell me, I'm like, let me ask you a question. Can we have trauma stored in our pelvic floor, in our psoas? Because she does do a lot of work on my psoas. It's all kind of connected in there. Um, I'm like, what What do you think about this? I'm kind of telling her this sort of thesis that I'm working on. I'm like, but what do you think about this as someone who's been doing pelvic floor PT for like a decade? And what she told me is she said that similar to like you know what there's not like technically there is not a like there's not a lot of research that says yes this is a thing that can happen if you would have asked me when I first started doing this I'd have been like no that's not really how it works like the physical tissues don't like hold on necessarily to this like trauma it's just like a tightening or uh, maybe there's some kind of like a lapse in them it's just like you know pelvic floor is kind of like a muscle like anything else she said, however, now over like a decade, she said there's nothing that wouldn't surprise me. She said that from her personal experience over a decade of work with the pelvic floor, there does seem to be a connection between these areas in the body and emotional releases. So pelvic floor, hips, um, like abductors, adductors, inner thighs, outer hips, um, so as things like that she says that there are like these places are deep within. They are like emotional places. And she says, basically, I have seen a lot. She says, I have seen a lot, a lot of people that she said, I can't really explain it. Right. There isn't a lot of data behind it. She said, but I see it all the time. And she wasn't quite sure, you know, if if it was necessarily like just because those places are like more personal places and you know people have a lot of you know like I have a more emotional attachment to like my hips and my psoas my pelvic floor than I do like I don't know my calf muscle because it's just like internal it's you know deep it's like we have a lot of emotion in that area especially after you know for me after like childbirth things like that right there's just a lot going on there And so she wasn't sure if it's, like, because of where it is in our body, because it's so internal, or if there is something to, you know, there's a lot of emotion and things stored in that area. But she said, you know, the data says, eh, that's not really a thing. She said, but my personal experience says, yeah, it is kind of a thing. And I agree with this. We had a, you know, good old chat while we're, you know, having our not fun fun doing pelvic floor PT. And I feel really similar to how she feels is that I've just I've seen it too much to not think that there isn't something there where we can't have sort of this muscle memory in a way, or we can't have like I see a lot of like chronic tightening, for example. I I talked about how if someone's having emotional pain, heart, you know, pain, heart center pain, not like chest pain, like your emotional heart. A lot of times they'll round their shoulders, they'll curve in, they'll like protect their heart and then I'll get them into a heart opener where they can just sort of soften and relax and let the intercostal muscles the muscles between the ribs the shoulders all that soften they'll cry or they'll be like oh my gosh like I feel this release um yeah I just I've seen it too much hips heart you know psoas things like that or people will work on those things um, beforehand maybe in a class or something and then like a few hours later they're like I don't know I just then all of a sudden I just felt these emotions for no reason. I just have seen it too much to not think that there isn't something there. I don't exactly know what it is there, um, but it felt validating to me that Bethany also felt the same way. And I do see this a lot in yin yoga, which I think our next 101 will do will be yin yoga 101, because it's a type of yoga that works specifically with the fascia or the connective tissue, not the muscles. And there's also a theory that a lot of this stored gunk if you will is in the fascia the connective tissue not necessarily the muscle and I have seen a lot of emotional releases in yin yoga Um, and I just I don't know I've seen too much to not think that there isn't something there and again maybe it's something we haven't discovered yet Um, I'm open to certainly being wrong Uh, maybe it's just a coincidence that I've seen it but that's where I my non-scientific opinion on it is that there's something there there's something more To this, that yes, I understand that our minds, of course, have memory and store this information as a way of protecting ourselves. And then our bodies are responding to what our minds are experiencing. But I do think that there's lingering things there as well that we may or may not be conscious of. So, all of that then brings me back to the love of somatic meditation. So, somatics is all about how do we get into the body. How do we experience this experience and how do we get the body to release that red alert response and work from the bottom up? And I have found this to be essential when I was working with not only my relationship with my body, um, when it was changing, you know, during pregnancy and then postpartum and all of that, because I basically for the last, um, I guess, I guess I found out I was pregnant with pork chop March of 2020, so... I mean, next month, that'll be four years where I've basically only been in either a a pregnant or a postpartum state. Like, that's uh, eye opening to me as I (laughs) figure that out right now in, you know, lifetime. But reconnecting with my body has been essential. But also, when I worked with my relationship with my anxiety and really working to heal my anxiety, it was so essential that I got into my body, that I connected with it, I felt the feelings. I learned how to quiet the nervous system, how to soften those protective mechanisms first, learn how to truly relax my body so it's not in this constant state of scared, fear, protect, survive. It's totally transformed everything for me in my personal opinion. In my experience, it's changed everything. I think of it as like it's almost like my body has gone from like an uncooked spaghetti noodle to a cooked one. Do you know what I mean? It's going from like this hard, rigid, like, ah, thing that just felt like it could like snap at any minute into kind of more of this like cooked noodle. It's like, you know, it's a little loose. It's a little fluid. It's softer. It's, um, you know, more pliable, more flexible. It's not like under a little pressure. It's just going to snap. And I really think a big piece of that has been some somatic techniques, specifically incorporating some somatic meditation where I'm focusing on my body and getting it to relax so that I'm not in that red alert physical response all the time and I was reflecting the other day too again I was I feel like so many I know people say that their best ideas come in the shower that doesn't happen to me the best ideas come when I'm like driving or I guess my some of my more profound thoughts come when I'm just like willy-nilly like driving around um and the thought came to me where I was like I was kind of reflecting and I was like laughing to myself because I was like you know I hate I was thinking like oh I, I hate to I hate to break it to people, but, you know, uh, taking care of yourself, trying to prioritize your sleep, like doing a little meditation every day, moving your body. It does work. It does make you feel better. And I was just kind of, I don't know, I was like laughing about that or I was like, yeah, you know, there, there is something to this. But the reason that I was thinking about that was because I was reflecting and I was like, I feel more peaceful in my existence right now than I have in a really long time. And I was reflecting on, like, I wonder why that is, because it's not like things haven't gotten more chaotic. It's not like I don't have now double the children, you know, double the workload. I'm not, you know, physically recovering from birth and all of that, that I'm not, you know, feeling even more behind on working because I'm just working so much less because I'm needed so much more in this time in my family. You know, we've had personal things coming up. There's just... There's just a lot going on right now um, outside of this little closet door. But yet I feel like my existence is still pretty peaceful in spite of that. And I was reflecting on, like, why is that? And I do think a part of it is that I have been working on connecting with my physical body and calming it down and, again, trying to go from that uncooked spaghetti noodle to a cooked spaghetti noodle. And I feel like my physical body is not responding, even though my mind often is still kind of feeling like, ah, I have all this, I have to do that, and I have to do this and that and that. And oh, Poppy needs me and I need to do this. Like that mental load is obviously still there and is sometimes running rampant. However, my physical body is not responding in the same high alert way. And I just, my existence feels more peaceful because of it. And I think this is definitely a piece of it. So I don't know, I don't even know where I was going with that. But I thought about that. And I was like, just reflecting on it. And I was just like, what, what is it? And I, the more that I think about it, I do think that a piece of it is working physically with my body, being connected to it, learning kind of its signs, learning how to actually relax it and not have it be in this constant protect safety mode. And so somatic meditation, there isn't necessarily like an exact definition of somatic meditation. Different people do different things. Um, But the way that I like to think about it is if you think about meditation, again, its definition is single pointed concentration. I always describe it as meditation. If your mind is a light bulb and it's on shining all directions, meditation is turning that light bulb into a laser pointer. You're taking all of your mental power and you're focusing it from you know shining all around you're concentrating it and focusing it on one thing. In somatic meditation you're pointing your laser at the body. The body and the physical experience and sensations within you that is your point of concentration in this type of meditation. So some of the key characteristics of somatic medita- somatic meditation body awareness. Somatic meditation involves bringing all of your attention into your body, becoming more attuned to the sensations, the movements, the experiences of being in your body. And this might be just observing your bodily sensations without judgment or interpretation. What I will say is when you start working with body stuff, especially if you have been in that protective mode, that fight or flight, that amped up like, oh, that, that uncooked spaghetti noodle place for a long time, go slow, go easy, remind yourself that you're in a safe place. It can be a little scary. It can be a little eye-opening. If you are disconnected from your body, at least this is my experience, there's a reason. There's a reason. You may not necessarily feel safe there or, you know, there's a lot there in that relationship. So just take it slow, take it easy, right? As Porkchop always tells me, take it easy, take it slow. We started saying this on, you know, (laughs) when he was learning how to walk and he wanted to just like go flying and was always falling over. I was like, you know what, buddy, just take it easy, take it slow. And he started saying that back to me, take it easy, take it slow. When it comes to somatic meditation, if you feel like this is going to be a tricky one for you, take pork chops advice, take it easy, take it slow. There's no rush. But with body awareness, right, you may start with just observing, checking in, like, what is my body feeling right now? Where am I feeling tight right now? I'm just looking at it without judgment. You don't even need to interpret it, just like, what's going on right now? And it might give you this better understanding of, you know, maybe where there's place to do a little bit more work. But the first, just body awareness. What is going on in the body? What is it telling me? Um, To do this, I personally like a body scan. So you can scan through top to bottom. Um, I like to do, like, a tense and release exercise. That's one where you get, like, really, really tense on purpose, and then you completely relax it. Um... Even just a quick check-in, you know, like, what what's going on in my body? Um, those are some of my favorite kind of just body awareness. And that can be so powerful and give you so much information just by doing that. Um, I think about sometimes, I think about, you guys know that, like, meme or it's that like TikTok sound. It's like, what would happen if you just called Taylor up? Um, but I think about that in terms of this where it's like, what would happen if you just checked in with your body? You know, or it seems like such a simple thing, but it's, like, so much more complex than that. I don't know. I, th- I think about that one a lot. And it's like, what would happen if you just called your body up? Like, you know, see what's going on. It's not always that easy. Um, but even something like light touching or tapping on the body, that can be a good way to practice some body awareness as well. So after a body awareness, you're going to do something called embodied presence or experienced embodiment. Somatic meditation really encourages you to fully inhabit your body and experience the present moment through sensory awareness. And this will usually include maybe some grounding techniques, like bringing your awareness to your feet, maybe some gentle touch. Um, The vagus nerve meditation that I did a couple of weeks ago, maybe almost six weeks ago, um, that's like a great way to kind of develop a greater sense of connectedness to yourself physically. So instead of just becoming aware of the body, you're almost like interacting with the body a little bit. And then there will almost always be some kind of breath work or breath awareness. Uh, The breath is often a key player in somatic meditation. Sunday's practice is actually going to be an embodied breath work practice. Uh, The breath is essential to somatic meditation and any body work, and I say body work like meditation work for your body and not like body work, like a massage. Um, Breath is a powerful tool that can regulate the autonomic nervous system, which is in charge of bodily functions, heart rate, blood pressure, digestion, stress response, and so on. And basically by engaging in conscious breathing techniques, individuals can activate the parasympathetic nervous system, or the rest and digest system, which counteracts the body's stress response and helps to promote relaxation and that physical quieting of the body. Again, going from that. Uh, uncooked spaghetti noodle to cooked spaghetti noodle. So some of my favorite breath techniques for somatic meditation are the relaxation breath, which is where you're going to inhale for four, exhale for six. And so one where you basically just make your exhales longer than your inhales. Um, I like breath that is oxygenating for the body. So there's one we're going to do on Sunday that's like a three-part inhale and a long exhale. And it's designed to really oxygenate the body, almost get kind of like this tingling sensation In your body, I really like that one. Um, Body breath, which is where you send your breath—you imagine the breath going to like different parts of your body. When I was writing this, I was like, "Have I ever done a body breath meditation?" I can't remember. If not, I'm gonna put it on my list and maybe tackle it Um, because I I like I like body breathing. It's something that I use a lot in yoga nidra, Um, but I think it'd make a good meditation if I haven't done it. But I'll have to uh, consult. The spreadsheet. I like doing um, breathing with movement. So one that I like is like you inhale, sweep your hands overhead, and then maybe exhale, sweep your hands back down. So almost doing this big kind of like bird wing flapping motion. Like arms go up on the inhale, arms go down on the exhale. Great way to connect breath, movement, body. Even just a proper like belly breath, a diaphragmatic breath, can be a great way to not only become aware of the breath and to connect with it and quiet the nervous system, but to really connect breath and body. And then sometimes somatic meditation will incorporate some movement. So maybe like a walking meditation, um, some mindful movement, Qigong, sometimes it will have a little bit of a movement component to it, but not always, um, but it can. And somatic meditation is broad because it's just about being present in your body. And there's many different ways you can do that. If you're having your body, awareness of your body, connection with your body, observing your body, anything body as your point of concentration in meditation, it's it kind of falls under the somatic meditation umbrella. Um, but I went and I looked at some of the more recent meditations and ones that that I think would qualify as like more of a somatic style of meditation. So obviously Sunday's meditation in a couple of days, Um, the vagus nerve meditation from January, Um, the nervous system reset meditation from November of last year, 2023. I think it's around Thanksgiving ish time. There is a July 1st five minute body scan meditation, a body awareness meditation I didn't write down the date on that one I want to say it was in May Um, but May of last year but anything body breath nervous system in the title is going to be really good for um, somatic work for body connection Um, yeah any kind of like embodiment type work So that's what we will be doing on Sunday. Um, I wanted to end with some signs that maybe you could benefit from body work or somatic meditation and also some signs that maybe it's, quote, like working or that maybe, you know, what you might want to look for um, in terms of like benefits, I guess, from this. So signs you may need to do some body work. Really it it honestly can be like anything. But the big ones, any kind of like feelings of dysregulated nervous system, uh constant squeezing and clenching on a part of the body or an overall tightening of the body, a constant or chronic anxiety or feeling the fight or flight freeze response, fear, like feeling physical fear often, um, or just feeling like disconnected from your body. Like if you feel like you're just moving around life like in your head and we're totally detached from our body, that's something too. Um, It can be really good to incorporate some somatic meditation for that. And then signs that maybe it's like quote working, I'm doing like little air quotes, um, is again going from that uncooked spaghetti noodle to a cooked spaghetti noodle. It's like you just are a little more fluid and you're not always like tight and tense. And I don't even mean like, like I still have like tightness in my body, right? I still have like Knots and muscles in my back. I still I have like chronically tight calves, but it's like a different kind of tightness. It's like that protective, like squeezing, clenching tight. I feel like I can really just like, oh, like soften the body, let it be heavy, soft, relaxed. Um, increased body awareness. So these little subtle shifts and sensations that you may notice, like within your body, um, changes in tension, relaxation, even warmth. Um, just being more present in your body noticing what it needs more improve stress management you'll find yourself being able to kind of cope with stressors in your life and maybe even a reduction in symptoms of like anxiety or overwhelm this is the one that i was thinking about like in my car i was like why do i just feel like a little bit more peaceful even though there's a lot going on in, in life um and this one's really stuck out to me enhanced emotion regulation so you may start to feel and any of these would be amazing, right? You don't need to feel all of them. Like even one of these to feel that is like amazing, right? Um, so don't feel like you have to hit all of these for it to be quote like working. Any of these would be amazing. Um, but experiencing kind of greater ease in regulating your emotions. I think of it as not constantly being on that like emotional roller coaster, either all the way up or you're all the way down or you're headed up or you're headed down. Um, things just are a little more even keel. It's not it's not as intense up and down all the time. Potentially reduced physical symptoms. you guys know I'm always a little bit weary to say like, you know that meditation will literally cure everything. I don't like to use that word like quote like cure. I think it's such a great thing to support everything else that you're doing. Um, but, you know, chronic pain, headaches, digestive issues, tension related, ailments, high blood pressure, that sort of stuff, Um, any kind of meditation actually has a tendency to help decrease those things or those symptoms. But somatic meditation in particular, because I think sometimes when you bring awareness, like I happen to be a jaw clencher, so I get headaches from that. And if I'm not being present and aware and noticing being like, oh, I'm clenching my jaw and having that body awareness to relax it, it just would stay clenched all the time. Do you know what I mean? So I think somatic meditation is great for that awareness piece. Um, Increased resilience, so feeling more resilient and adaptable when things are tricky. Like maybe feeling like you have this ability to bounce back from setbacks or challenges um, that you can do that just a little bit faster with more ease. A deeper connection with yourself, right? You are trying to connect with your body, your body sensations that can tell you so much about your thoughts and your feelings, who you are, how you respond to something, right? When you have that physical Like, visceral reaction to someone. Like, have you ever met someone and your body was instantly like, ooh, no, not safe, not this person, not okay, even though you may have only said, like, one word to them, and your body instantly was like, no. Like, that's important to pay attention to, and having that deeper connection to self is important. The more that you do somatic work, the more you can connect with your body, recognize its signals, what it's telling you, and ultimately understand your thoughts, your feelings, your quote, gut reaction, that type of stuff. Um, And then also greater empathy and compassion. So maybe feeling more attuned to the experience and needs of others. Um, That I think is just generally a meditation thing in general. Any kind of meditation is going to do that. Um, And then increased sense of well-being. So just feeling like maybe more joy, more peaceful, more fulfillment. I think that this is particularly true of somatic meditation because, again, if your body Is always in this like protective mode. You can't unwind. You can't feel peace. You can't really enjoy things because you're just feeling so tense and clenched up. And like you're in this fear response protective mode, which again is important. There's a reason that we do that. The issue becomes what if you can't ever turn that off, right? Or we haven't turned that off in so long? How can we kind of work to even for little moments? little moments where we are safe. Can we try to, you know, turn that protective mode off a little bit and it can really increase the sense of of well-being. Um, but yeah. So that's that's all I had in my notes on somatic meditation. Um, again, take it easy, take it slow, ease into it. Um, I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on body, body work, somatic meditation, what it's like to connect with your body. I found it really profound just for me personally. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm open to, you know, being wrong. If anyone has a really great peer-reviewed study that shows how we can, you know, physically measure trauma being stored in our tissues, I would love to see it. I didn't find any in my searching. I do know people are looking into it, but I, I couldn't really find anything that I felt like had some good solid data. But again. It's something that I've seen and felt in my own body, seen in my students, my clients, and there's definitely something there. And I've just really been enjoying some somatic meditation elements, and so I wanted to share it all with you, and I'm looking forward to sharing Sunday's meditation. So that's all I have for you. I hope that you are doing well, that you're having a beautiful week, and I hope that wherever you are, that maybe you can find just a little bit of peace and calm and whatever's happening in your life right now. So thank you for being here. And that's it. Bye.